the Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. This is the Unruffled Podcast, Episode 86. This is a podcast about recovery through creativity. We live an intentional life. We thrive. I am Sandra Primo. And I'm Tammy Salas. And we are The Unruffled. Hey, Sandra. Good morning. <sighs> so, how are you? So, <laughs> well... The fact that this is airing after Thanksgiving, I should be able to talk about how that went. But since we're recording this actually before Thanksgiving, we're not going to fake it. <laughs> we're not going to fake it. We're not going to fake it. So uh, I am good. Just, you know, trying to do all those things. I keep talking about this, but trying to do all those things that you feel like you need to wrap up and put a bow on before the end, before mm-hmm. the calendar flips. Yeah. No, there's always a part of me that thinks oh, it's just arbitrary January one. But then at the same time, you know, I mean, I get it. No, there's a it's, psychic shift for me for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I have some goals. I have some things that I'm trying to, uh, knock out before I hit the finish line. Um, so really that, that, yeah. Thinking already thinking about how I want 29 to look. Yeah. 2019, 2019 that year, that year. I gotcha. Well, yeah. And I was, I was thinking about that too. Like I, we have, I think you have some things brewing. I know I have some things brewing that, um, that I will announce as soon as it's ready to announce, but, um, yeah, getting all the decks in a row, trying to wrap up projects, finish things up at school. Sandra, I made a six inch cylinder on my first attempt this week. And I, Oh, wow. Maybe unless you've tried to make a six inch cylinder, maybe only then you could truly understand how freaking awesome it is. (laughs) (laughs) I was like a kid. I was so proud of myself when I walked out of class that day. And it's funny because Patty Minix had texted me a vase that she had made and I had just walked out of ceramics class. I'm like, you have great timing. Um, (laughs) But yeah, finishing up all the little things, getting stuff done um, and thinking about what I want bring into my life next year. So I look for, we, we do a new year's, you know, the first week of new year's, uh, episode, like where we're going to talk about our word for the year and do all of that kind of stuff like we did last year. And I, I'm looking forward to it. So, but yeah, it does feel like a little bit like we got to get through December first. Yeah. We have to do that first. Um, mm-hmm. speaking of the new year, I was dreaming and well, I wasn't dreaming. Someone else was dreaming and pulling me into their dream. Um, Natalie contacted me to see if I wanted to go to Mallorca, um, an island off of Spain, off the coast of Spain, um, to take a Guru Jagat um, Kundalini immersion class. Mm. And that Ellen was going to be going from the suburban monk, uh, Sasha Corellis from Sacha Malas, and our friend who's done our music for the show, Caitlin Schumacher. So Natalie was was all high energy, and I was less high energy because it involves a plane. Mm. 
And so I said, well, I'm going to need to think about that. And I, and she, you know, Natalie, I don't know if you know this about Natalie. She is a deal finder. <laughs> she is a coupon queen deal finder. So and then when you split the room and the three ways and a triple occupancy, anyhow, she made it all sound very doable. And I was, I said, I need to think and pray on this, which I don't really think I usually say in my life, but it's starting to happen, Sandra. That's what's happening. <laughs> and I just felt like if I was going to fly that far, I would like to do it with Natalie because mm-hmm. she's a great travel companion. I am dreaming of going to Spain next summer. So I thought, well, maybe this Spain thing is, this is the opportunity. Maybe summer is not the opportunity. Maybe this is it. Um, but nonetheless, it's not happening. But I got to dream for like a whole 24 hours. And mm-hmm. it just made me think about traveling again and not being so freaked out by my panic attack. So it was like a good, a good exercise. Mm. Yeah. I love that. You know, Spain it might be the, the, the over seas trip that I take, um, Mm. if and when, yeah, my, my best, my best friend from college, she's, um, she, her mom's, um, was born in Spain and, um, and her whole family lives there and she's actually there right now or she's on her way back, but she goes a couple of times a year and she's trying to now because I don't know, she's, I think some of her relatives are aging, but, um, anyway, she's been trying to get me to go with her for, for a long time and I have no resistance going, but it just never seems like it's the right time to, for me to go. Yeah. But, um, I don't know, maybe this summer she keeps planting the seed. Yeah. And like last weekend, all I did was, um, research Costa Brava and the coast of Portugal, um, the Algarve. And I just have like, I have some money saved from the mantra project that I've done with Holly Whitaker and I really wanted to use it for an experience. And, um, I talked to my family, they're not super jazzed about this. So when the Mallorca thing came up, I was like, maybe it's not a family thing. Maybe it's something I do by myself. Mm -hmm. Maybe I get to go do this. And you know, like when I travel, Sandra, even domestically anywhere, I get, ideas I get fuel you know for sure creative creative ideas start brewing so I don't know just kind of shifted and and I am not a kundalini student Mm -mm. so it didn't resonate with me that's why I said I had to think and pray right yeah Um, and and I want to be yeah I want to be but I'm just not I'm just not there yet I'm not there yet either but I do appreciate the teachings of Guru Jagat and I I also like getting them secondhand from Sasha and from Caitlin when we have our um, phone dates mm-hmm. and kind of having them transmit what they've learned and share. And it's, um, that's the level I'm at right now. <laughs> I'd like some transmission from someone else, but gosh, <laughs> to be in Guru Jagat's um, company would be pretty awesome. I mean, that would be amazing. So it's not happening, but it was good to dream for about 24 hours. All right. Well, I know it's going to be a busy month. We have lots of interviews set up for for December. And I think you and I are going to do a check-in episode. But I just want to thank everybody for, um, you know, supporting us and listening. And um, and it's been a great year. It's been a great year. I know it's not over yet, but it's like it's feeling like it's just winding down. And uh, Yeah, yeah, I can't wait to sit down and reflect on 2018 because it really has been a great year for the podcast. Yeah. It has. 
And I still, I still would love to have some people rate and review it. You know, we have close to, I think it's 460,000 downloads. And we have uh. 122 ratings. <laughs> so not that I'm ungrateful. I'm very grateful. But I'd love it if you guys could just take a minute and give us a rating or a quick review. Um, that would be really helpful. So that's my pitch yeah. for that. Yeah, that's my soft sell yeah. of that. <laughs> yeah, and thank you also to everyone who has contributed to the Patreon account. Yes. Um, we're going to keep saying thank you. Mm-hmm. And Tammy and I are probably going to work on some more perks for sure. Yeah. Um, we definitely need to step up that game, I think, yeah. for 2019. So. Yeah. We'll be brainstorming on that as well. Oh, and I didn't even tell you, Sandra, because I haven't chatted with you much this week, but Topo Chico got back to me. I had asked them to sponsor the women's circle that we were going to have here um, in Northern California, mm-hmm. and that didn't happen. I never heard back from them, and they got back to me about that and said they were sorry that it got you know lost in however, you know, in their... Many r- requests they get. <laughs> yeah, and so... Um, I just went for it and I, I, I wrote them right back since they sent it. I was like, I'm going to, I said, hey, I, we've asked you before um, to consider this. And I know that you weren't in the market for, for um, sponsoring podcasts. But since then, we have, you know, a lot of listeners and a lot of downloads. And we are like your prime target market for your product. And we love it. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know if you want to, um, you know, if that's changed, if you guys are interested in sponsoring podcasts. But we have a really captive audience that really loves fizzy water and would promote and Instagram the hell out of it, I'm sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I said, if you can just please consider that. I gave him some price points of what I was thinking, which I'll share with you later. And um, and we'll see. Mm. But I threw it yeah. out there. As soon as it came in, I'm like, no, I got to act on this like right now. Right. So that's the first person we've ever asked, I think, to sponsor the pod. Yeah. So we'll see. We, ha- we, need, we need some help in that department, too, next year. So we'll work on that. So that this can be sustainable. We put a ton of time into this. And uh, my husband has two. And, yeah, we have to start making it sustainable. So appreciate the Patreon supporters that have helped us out. You guys really, really generous and very, um, very appreciated. Yeah, for sure. Oh, okay. Well, let's introduce our guest today. Yeah. You want to off? Yeah, so today we have um, on the podcast our friend Davis, or she also goes by Jay Davis Hart. Um, Davis is a design ecologist, an environmental designer, researcher, and educator. After teaching in early childhood education for 10 years, she pivoted her career by pursuing advanced degrees related to interior design and human behavior, health, and well-being. After a 10-plus year slow, steady decline of an experiment with drinking again, she kicked alcohol out of her life for the second and hopefully final time on Earth Day 2017. Yeah, and Davis is in her 42nd year living with type 1 diabetes which she manages with an insulin infusion pump and continuous glucose monitoring system, stress management, as well as a newfound high-intensity interval training program. She's working out. And uh, with food. So she feels there is a gap in the discourse around addiction and those living with chronic, invisible conditions. She plans to fill some of this space. 
She also joins the chorus of recovery love warriors who actively don't drink or smoke or eat addictively or whatever else numbs folks out as a rebellious and joyful act in a time of great societal need. She was lovely to talk to, and she mentioned a resource, Sandra, when we were recording um, called womenforsobriety.org that she Mm -hmm. used because she used a lot of the digital recovery spaces to get sober. And it is a great resource, and it reminded me, I clicked on it while we were chatting that day uh, during the interview, and it was one that I used in early sobriety as well. Yeah, I still get their emails, I think. Oh, okay. Well, I was struggling to stay in AA. I was having a hard time because I... Uh, you know, just how it is. It's just weird at first. Um, but I use this um, womenforsobriety.org a lot to kind of help me see um, see a path and how to change some patterns and some habits. So it's a great tool and resource if women want to check that out. And we'll put that in the show notes too. Yeah. 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 And then if you want to find more out about Davis, she has a website. It's davisparadigmspaces.com. A paradigm, if you don't know how to spell it, because I don't, <laughs> P-A-R-A-D-I-G-M spaces.com. And then you can also find Davis on Instagram more than underscore ever before. Yeah. And, and I just really enjoyed talking to her. She is so smart and driven and kind and talented And we didn't even get into all the extracurricular things that she likes to do um, in this bio, but definitely in the podcast we do, because poetry is a big, a big love of hers and writing, um, among many other things. So I hope you enjoy the show. Yeah, you guys enjoy Davis. Welcome to the show, Davis. Thank you. Good morning, guys. Hi. Oh, so tell where are you at, Davis? Tell everyone where you're where we're chatting with you from. I am in the lovely heart of the valley. It's called Corvallis, Oregon. That's right. You're just up the coast from me. Yeah. Not too so far. close yet so far. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And tell tell our listeners a little bit. Family, kiddos, what animals what you got I, what you got yeah going? i have a very um we keep our plates very full around here um i i have um in the room with me i have a, a springer spaniel border collie dog who's snoozing away and um we have a daughter together my husband and i uh she is nine and uh, i am the proud stepmom to three big big kids uh the youngest of which was living with us recently and he's moved off to college and so they're part of my life but not part of my day-to-day life um but we have a multitude of other animals cats chickens fish tank everything (laughs) (laughs) keep me keep me running (laughs) are you out in the country davis is that or not particularly. No, we're actually a good biking commute to, to a campus. Uh, we live in a college town, so we can get around town easily. I don't do much biking anymore at the moment, but uh, we I think my husband would really love to live in the country. But for now, we're happy to be on a cul-de-sac where our daughter can just go out and play with kids and not, I don't have to arrange any play dates. So that's, yeah. that's heavenly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I was um, thinking about it and trying to piece together um, 
kind of how we all met. And so I have my version, but I was wondering if you could share with the listeners maybe how we came to know one another, all of us. I think that how I learned about you and got to know you both is a pretty similar story to other folks who've shared in that through my journey of alcohol-free living, I listened to uh, various podcasts and somehow or other, I found out about uh, your um, your light project. Oh yeah, the ray of light. That was yeah, that was the what my mind um, too. So I've been doing sort of what you call scary emails for a long time, sending out cold <laughs> emails. <to people. laughs> and yours was one I did. I sent out a message and said, "Hey, I'll do it." Um, if you need me and you were so lovely in responding to me and saying, um, maybe, maybe in the future we can work together in a different sort of a way you had, I think you had enough people at that point. I did. So, I did. I filled up all those spots already and it felt yep. bad when people reached out. I was like, Oh shoot, I already have everything done to the end of the year, but that didn't yep. leave us from connecting though. We didn't stop no. there. <laughs> no. Not at all. Not at all. And I don't know if that was before. I think it must have been right after you started this podcast because, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, our dates kind of coincide for when this podcast started and when I started sort of truly living, yeah. <laughs> if you will. Yeah. yeah. And then what about, weren't we um, the flash dance group we were all in together? It was yeah. me and one you of the secret and, yeah. Facebook folks reached out and said, Hey, let's do a little accountability group. And I said, Oh my gosh, I knew that. So yeah, we, we named it the flash dance group and <laughs> met quite a few times and kind of helped each other along and prompted each other. And that was, that was really fun. That and was then, super fun. That was a great way to get to know each other and see what we were all working on. I loved that little group. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and, I always wanted to wear like a sweatshirt off my shoulder when we got together on the calls. I never did, but I really wanted to. <laughs> no, it was fun. I don't even, you know, it was just like a once a month accountability. And then, and then as things do, sometimes it gets too much for me and I had to, I had to, to bow out, but I, um, but I appreciated it. And I appreciated that as women, you know, we were all kind of coming together trying to f- answer some questions and help each other with like, what's the next step with things. So I encourage people to do that. If you find people like-minded people or people you want to learn from to reach out and try to form a group or a call or something, because that was nice. Um, So you know kind of how the show works, right? We kind of jump into um, your story at the beginning, and then we'll kind of go through and what you do and how you've brought, you know, how creativity exists in your life, which is plentiful in yours, I know. Um, But I wondered if you could share with our listeners, you know, what brought you to the decision to quit drinking? And um, just give them a little bit of a background. Sure. Um, that's certainly something I'll try to, I'll, I'll try to give my whole honest story in a way that doesn't take the entire episode. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. I, I didn't say that part, did I? <laughs> Thank well, you. I have so much. It's, it's tricky for me to synthesize it sometimes, but yeah. Sort of the highlights of my story are that I come from um, where I come from originally. My, you know, childhood is part of our adulthood, so I can't dismiss that. Um, I was, among other things, I was a little girl diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, um, which is a huge thread for my whole life, as you can imagine. 
Um, and part of my coping mechanisms for that, I grew up in um, New Eng- southern New England and didn't have a lot of connection on an emotional in, inner, inner world sort of level. So I did a lot of thumb sucking um, until well beyond your acceptable age range. So I sort of started out life with something that did work for me and then it didn't work for me anymore. And I kept doing it. And it was a place of shame and um, otherness. You know, I'm already feeling like, well, gosh, nobody's like me. Um, so that's the root of the, the messages that I'm still working with today to, to let go of that sense of otherness and not belonging um, and also being sort of a special snowflake. Um, my family was, you know, on, on all surfaces looked great. We had um, a nice big yard and two brothers and pets and supportive, loving mom and dad. And my mom is a normie. So she would have a a drink each night, just one, maybe two. Um, And my dad, on the other hand, would get home from work each night. And when we were little, he'd interact and play with us quite a bit. But after years, I would remember just random things when I think back on it, where he would hiccup coming to the dinner table and then stop himself from hiccuping again. It was a one or two hiccup situation. <laughs> and you know, it wasn't until 30 years have gone by that we, we all realized, wow, dad, dad is a closet, closet, classic closet guy. He's introverted and shy and would <clears throat> just be drinking where nobody could see it. And it didn't would have sneak any, it, yeah. Was, yeah, there wasn't really any impact on the family except for we saw that you know, I saw that my mom and dad didn't have a great, strong relationship or that loving. So high school, I was a good girl. I wasn't excelling. I wasn't failing. I just did pretty good. You know, I didn't party. I didn't get invited to parties, but I had friends. So it's sort of a just, oh, okay, this is fine. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to go to college. I'm not supposed to go to parties because I'm only 16 and didn't really have any desire for that um, at that time. So I got started a bit late. When I did get into a college, that was a bit harder to get into than people thought of me. I surprised everybody and surprised myself. Hey, wow, look at that school. She's she's a bit smarter than we thought she was kind of a situation. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I still had a sense of otherness for those four years of college of, gosh, I'm not really, you know, I'm not sure how I feel about all this. I'm doing this track of doing what is expected I studied early childhood education and did a lot of student teaching. And um, it was probably my, must have been pretty soon off when I started school that uh, I realized that, hey, there's a way to help when things are feeling awkward. uh, And I'm supposed to be out socializing and partying and meeting, um, meeting each other. And that's, that's alcohol. So it tasted nasty, but I drank it anyway. And it became something like, hey, let's go bond. A roommate and I realized if we go out to the bars quite early on like a Wednesday, it's not a suspicious time for underage people to be there. I was at school in Boston, so we had a lot of choices. So we'd go there early and sit there and have dinner at this little dive, and then we'd just stay, and we'd just get totally lit and <clears throat> ride the tea home. And that continued for all of all of college, and then introduction of pot there's lots of that going on um and then when I graduated I thought I just need some freedom I don't want to do the expected anymore and I needed this sense of rebelling I just needed to do my own thing I didn't want to just go on the track of becoming a, a teacher and didn't have any boyfriend or anything at the time or nothing to really tie me down so I ended up 
spending um, some time just roaming, traveling, visiting places, um, and not doing a lot of drinking for a while. So through the decade or two of my of my twenties and my mostly my twenties, there'd be phases of not drinking, but kind of smoking a lot of weed, and then not really having that available. And not having lots of money or resources because I was, I was more interested in studying community and people. And I mean, I went from New England to Cape Cod to the South um, on a trip. I traveled for just one leg of the journey with, with a friend. Um, and then I set a boundary and said, I'm going to do the rest of this trip by myself. You, you've got to go. So I went to see happen to see friends who had relocated around the country is just very much an unfolding I didn't know how I would manage with you know I had my grandparents inheritance I had a car I had you know about a thousand bucks and so I went from Taos to visit with a friend and stayed with her and then I was in Boulder Colorado and I slept in the the water closet of these people's house and we all just you know had a good time I did my poetry I was on a poetry mission so I figured hey I'm not I'm not just lost and wandering I've got a mission I'm gonna go and perform poetry every every time I go to <clears throat> and I pretty much did I went I ended up going to New Orleans and had a little incident with a, a dog and a broken window and that sort of thing and didn't end up reading poetry there but <laughs> um, my, my aim when I left on the trip was, yeah, do poetry everywhere I go and move to Oregon because oh. any, I, I got this weird little symbolic thing. If any state has a license plate with the green on it, like Vermont has green trees and, and Oregon has green trees, that's probably the place for me. I might not feel <laughs> so other if there's a lot of good trees around and, and people who are, you know, very open-minded. I like um, your decision-making my... there, Davis. That's I nice. Know, I know. Colorado was an option too, then I think. Colorado right? is still an option, yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I similar, similarly have always wanted to live in New Mexico because I love their license plates. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> Clearly visual, you know. Yeah, very visual. visual. That <laughs> also connects to my childhood because my parents took us traveling. We were lucky that we had a um, an opportunity to do a cross country trip. And I realized, Hey, I could do this. I could do anything. I mean, you need to have some resources to make it happen. But, um, so I did, my aim was to come to Oregon, but I, I kind of got hung up a little bit in Colorado and then realized, Oh gosh, that thousand bucks went quick. I need to get some work. Um, and just the way my life just, it's always just random and unfolding. And it, I've, I've always had some good faith that, I'm being looked out for somehow or other, and I I meet, try to meet that faith halfway. Um, I lived in Utah for almost a year because I, well, after living in my car for a bit with this this guy, I guess I could call him a boyfriend. He was a Jack Mormon, and we got jobs at ski lodges. He was working at a, as a chef in one of the ski lodges, and I was I got hired as a housekeeper. And this particular lodge offered room and board at the time for the employees, for most of the employees at the time. And it made sense because it, <clears throat> they had the room for it. We were, sort of had bedrooms up above the kitchen and tucked into spaces, not right next to the hotel guests. So that was a great gig um, because I was able to, um, I used to do bong hits and have espresso before I went to work as a housekeeper, get the rooms done, 
you know, go out, do a couple runs on the mountain. I wasn't, I'm not a super athlete by any stretch, but I, I could, I could have some fun going down the slopes and then I'd write some poetry and then go drinking. They had a nice warm bar. So that was a time when the alcohol came back in quite a bit. Yeah. I'm a fellow Jack Mormon Davis. So, um, so he, he drank and did whatever this guy was a drinker we'd go yeah. to bars play <laughs> pool and smoke a lot of cigarettes and his parents thought oh davis is good she's just as good she's gonna help get him on the right path and right um yeah he's last i ever saw of him he's still way down in the depths of not <laughs> i don't want to be judgmental but he's not he's not living his highest life so how old are you at this point is this still just right after college then is this yeah this is in the 20? first couple of years okay uh, after college. So in my, in my twenties. Um, so yeah, this after, I mean, I was trying to get out of Utah and move to Oregon, but I didn't know anybody in Oregon. Unlike all the other places I had gone, I knew somebody, um, or a friend of a somebody. Um, and also they didn't pay me a lot at the ski lodge because they gave us a ski pass and they figured, Oh, that's all anybody needs. Right. Um, so eventually I, I saved up enough and and started making connections. I didn't even know which town I'd move to in, in Oregon. Um, I tried uh, Bend and Ashland, and then I landed in Eugene um, and ended up getting getting some work as a before school um, child care person for you know the kids before the early the early session. Um, and I don't think I was doing a lot of drinking at that point. I mean, it kind of went with what the peers around me were doing and what kind of income I was earning. Um, but I was certainly, uh, not at this point, it was most people would expect to have sort of more of a, you would think you'd have a career, right. Or you'd you'd have your plan in place. And here I was just, just playing. What can Uh, I ask you what your undergraduate degree was in? Well, yeah, it was early childhood education, which I always say that was very practical. It wasn't that exciting as, you know, how to teach. But my school at the time said, when you guys graduate, you're going to need a double major if you want to become certified in the state of Massachusetts. So they offered two or three very specialized double majors that were more relevant for um, educators. So my second major is the one that I love and I still love. And I think it's an amazing, it was amazing, um, child and society. So a third sociology, a third psychology and a third anthropology. And that I was just mind blowing to me at the time. And I thought, Oh, do I like sociology more? Do I like psychology more? I didn't like any of them more. I love them all equally, but the, how a child fits into the world. Um, was the theme of it. So that is something that's, you know, I've managed to keep part of my life from then to now. Um, so after a little while of doing this before school thing, and I was running late every time, and I just could barely, it was not, it was not a great situation. I got some, I decided I would start teaching in childcare centers, um, because that way I wasn't in the public school system. I wasn't stuck in a little, you can't put me in a box. Right. <laughs> with the little the littles which I ended up just loving and as a word person I've just it was amazing to watch children's ability and their their love of life and language so they come in you know prelingual and then they leave my little classroom and they're able to say little sentences it was was amazing um I I taught for 10 years and during that time I did start drinking a little more regularly. I remember a specific time when I was late to 
work and I was the lead teacher in the toddler room and I couldn't make it there in time to open the classroom. So I called the kindergarten teacher and said, could you please open my classroom for me? Um, it was, you know, it, mm-hmm. it, it was the beginning and that was still in my, my twenties for this probably late twenties by now. And also thinking, gosh, I'm earning, you know, minimum wage. There's not a lot. The glass ceiling is really low. I've got nowhere to go with this. I don't want to be a director of a childcare center. Um, what else can I do? So I'm mulling over that for a couple of years. And meanwhile, still looking for my life mate, you know, who's going to be my partner. Um, cause I really wanted family and, and motherhood. And that was a hugely scary thing from the beginning because as a little girl getting diagnosed with diabetes, I heard the message of, well, you might not want to be a mom and you might also not have complications for 20 whole years. And all of these sort of scary things followed me around forever. Um, so, but I, I just, I mean, today here I am as a mom and it's just my greatest gift and in my first job and, um, I don't ever take it for granted. Um, so the cycle of teaching, deciding what else to do, I started getting nigglings that I should do something to do with space and design, um, because I could see how the kids would respond if I went into the classroom and changed it up a bit over the weekend made it fresh and, and rotated the toys around. Um, they would just have a whole new energy and the teachers were more excited to be there and we all felt happier to be in our space. But also all along the way, I keep thinking, gosh, who designed this building? Do they even know kids? Have they? Because there's so many design flaws everywhere you, you look. Um, and this was, like I said, in Eugene. So I, I knew that the University of Oregon had an interior architecture program and started mulling around how could I go be a student living with roommates it's just me not not much money I have this expensive disease Um, and I did talk to the interior architecture school at the U of O and presented some ideas to them and they were very interested and thought oh you guys should definitely apply but then the little bomb dropped with you have to be a full-time student you can't have a full-time job and be a full-time student that's not gonna that's not gonna fly so put that on the back burner and I got a job at a different childcare center at the, at the university, which was a little well, more well supported. And I had a little more managerial experience because I had a ton of um, undergraduate student workers that would come in and work in the, in the classroom I was in and I'd organize their schedule and mentor them and that sort of thing. Um, and around that time, one of my coworkers, uh, she probably doesn't know what influence she had on me, but she said, hey, Davis, have you ever considered doing eHarmony? And I was like, gosh, I've heard of that. I mean, I didn't watch TV. I didn't have one. I, it's not something that was in my radar, really, but I had heard of it. And so sure enough, I followed through with that, and I, I put on the criteria, I'm willing to meet somebody anywhere in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Which, of course, logistically... You have a really adventurous spirit, Davis, right? I mean, I totally... Yeah, you're, like, touring the country with a thousand bucks and going wherever your heart takes you. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And my friend had a joke. Just follow your crystal. Put it on the dashboard and follow your crystal. Okay. I'll do that. It's good. So how old were you at this time, and what did your drinking look like? I'm trying to just get the... For the listeners to know kind of, like, where you're at. I would drink. Well, once I moved to Eugene and lived and worked at this childcare center, I could bike to bike up the path to work 
And three blocks away was this every live music every night um, venue. Um, and again, I didn't have a ton of money to get as much drinking in me as I kind of wanted to at the time. But I would figure out how to <clears throat> how to work it a little bit. Like <laughs> right. I worked the door, I worked the door of the place so I could get the tab going. And um, so that as I worked through these 10 years of teaching, and that's when my drinking's really mounting up and, and um, continuing to be just more of a regular thing, but almost always more social. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't until in my 40s that right before I quit that I was more just let's just do it at home. Let's not worry about it, needing to play about social um, uh, and, and the pot was always there too. So that was definitely a co, mm-hmm. uh, co-founding variable and, and tobacco. I mean, all these things that just looking back, you'd think, what, those are the worst things for anybody. Right. Never mind somebody with a chronic condition. Um, so I did, I, I met my now husband and within, um, a few months, well, let me back up a bit because, um, I've just, there's this drive in me to do a little bit more and be a little bit better. And so I decided I was going to buy a house. Um, and I'm earning this early childhood educator's wage. And somehow I must have borrowed a little money from my parents. It was about 14 years ago now that I did manage to buy a house, not in Eugene, but over in the next town, over Springfield, um, which is more affordable. It's not the cool college town. It's the neighboring, you know, working class town. So I've, I do own a little two bedroom, one bath place, um, moved into it and just thought, Oh my gosh, I'm really overwhelmed now. I can't keep up with taking care of this house. My, all my medical is getting put on a credit card. I can't keep being an early child, a teacher. I just, this is not going to fly. So that was when my coworker had suggested eHarmony. And, um, we had our first date in November, 13 years ago. He just reminded me 13 years in November. Um, and he, but he was living up in Corvallis where we live now. So that's a 45 minute drive. Um, and before, before I even got onto eHarmony, I thought I've got to get my life together. I'm not meeting my partner at the bars. Um, I'm going to quit drinking because I, I could see that my, um, relationship with alcohol wasn't serving me as mm-hmm. we say. And I could see the patterns in my family, that it could be something that wasn't the greatest. So I'm not sure where I, I mean, I had no support. Um, I would go to work, come home and take care of my place, but I, uh, the best I could find, and this, the internet was there, but it wasn't as substantial as it is now. Um, so I found out about women for sobriety and I printed out their um, daily affirmations and I would get up and meditate and read one of the, affirmations, which are lovely. They're really lovely. Um, I focus on it and I'd go to work and I could feel after, you know, the early stages that, gosh, I don't have to debate what to do every day after work. Cause like I used to, I'd have to say, should I, should I not, should I, should I not? Meaning should I swing by the convenience store on the way home and get a six pack and then have a few, but a few more. And then there wouldn't be enough for the next day in that loop that we were familiar with. Um, and it started to feel very loosening and freeing. And I thought, gosh, maybe I could even go out and meet a partner now. I'm starting to see options for myself. Um, so I, I can't quite remember how long I didn't drink for during that phase of time. It was anywhere from maybe three months to six months to eight months. I mean, it's, it's a little bit 
It's a little bit uh, foggy. How, how do you remember kind of how old you were at that point? Yeah, this was in my early, early 30s. So it was about 14 years ago because it was after I had purchased my house and before I met my husband because he always jokes how he was able to, you know, date me even though I wasn't drinking. <laughs> we get how to make that happen. Yeah. Well, um, I, want, I want to pause here for just a second. So womenforsobriety.org. So this mm-hmm. is a site I went on to as well, Davis, in the beginning. And you've just reminded me, I'd completely forgotten. I just brought it up on the computer and it automatically filled in and took me to the affirmations that I used to read. So you've just reminded me. Um, it's interesting. I mean, I don't know if you remember, but how did you, you know, you knew that, that it wasn't serving you. And did you just get online and do some research? Because, you know, that's yeah. what you do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm I just mean, for our listeners, I'd like yep, to try to absolutely. tell them and frame it so that if somebody's just sober curious or thinking about it, clearly if they're listening to this, they're, they've been doing some research. But um, Yeah, and of yeah. course, it was the only thing we at that time that I knew about was AA, and that was it. Mm-hmm. It was just, there's one option to do, and it just didn't ever draw me. And I thought, well, what else is there? Um, so that was my only tool, was getting up 10, 15 minutes early, meditating and reading the affirmation and then hoping for the best. Yeah. Okay. After that, which went okay. And after just a few weeks, I thought, look how good I am. I'm going to go back to my favorite stomping grounds where it's funny because uh, your, your recent guest, Patty, and I realized that we had been at the same place at the same time when she used mm. to live there. So our circles. Ah. Oh, Patty yeah. Minix from, yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Patty Minix. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted to pop that in there. So, I mean, I would go down there and not drink alcohol, but I would get, I figured, oh, this um, soda water and bitters, that'll be nice. Not knowing that bitters had a little bit of alcohol in it. Right. Um, so that you could f- kind of feel that sort of washing through my brain. Right. And um, so I, I kept going for a bit, staying dry, not drinking, not having support, not finding anybody, not talking to anybody. Oh, I talked to one friend when I was first thinking about this. They said, you should reach out. That's what you should do. You should reach out. So I thought, oh, I don't know what that means. I'll go talk to my one friend and just tell her, hey, I have a drinking problem. I'm just going to not drink and I need to tell somebody. So I'm telling you. And she's like, okay, it sounds good. So, you know, good for you. And so I was very, I mean, the whole run of that, that time of recovery was obviously not recovery. Um, although I was trying to improve my life and make yeah. my life better. I just was doing it all by myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember telling my my brother lives and his wife and children live in, in Southern Oregon. So I, I saw them at some point and told them, Hey, I'm not drinking anymore. And my brother said, Hey, just, you know, at this point we knew my dad was having, having issues. He said, just, you don't, you don't have to do what the, what your, what dad does, you know, just cause, just cause dad's not drinking now. Um, you know, what's good for the goose isn't good for the gander as he's tipping back. Tr- trying to talk you it. out of it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> People well, do just, that, you know, don't they? <laughs> We're fine. We're, there's no problem with us. We're, we're, we can do fine. His dad has the issue. Because by that point, my dad had um, been more clear that there was problems. And he ended up having a series of hospitalizations and um, so forth. So that was, that's concurrent to my, my drinking. Well, Davis, were, were you, did you feel like you were white knuckling or did no, it feel easy? No, it felt pretty easy. But I didn't, 
I didn't feel white knuckling except for the very fir- the very you know first early early days of not drinking that first time. But again, I didn't get any tools in place, and I didn't have anybody to to turn to, so I was easily swayed. My brother didn't get me off track. I was like, no, this is good. I'm not going to drink still. But later, after I was dating my husband for a while, and I decided, hey, look, he's giving me this opportunity to to quit my job, to move to to Corvallis to become a graduate student and study design, interior design, which is what I thought my next step was. So after we, um, we started living together, you know, he said, and this is not from a place of trying to throw me off at all, but he said, gosh, you seem fine. Let's just go to this place and have, have some food and, and a beer. And I so distinctly remember having that first beer after the long stretch of not drinking and thinking, oh, this is nice, but I'm in trouble now. And mm. it was a very slow 10, 10 more years or 13, 13 years more of trying to moderate and playing the dance and, and exhausting myself with mm. trying to make it work. Um, after we got married a couple of years later, he says, so when, you know, when are we going to have this baby? Because he, know, he knew how much I wanted it and how scary it was for me uh, to do that. So he's very much my um, ally and supporter in a lot of ways. Um, but it was his little comment of, you seem fine. Let's just go have this little dinner um and I thought well maybe I am fine gosh maybe you know because the haze was it can confuse my memory a little bit right well for sure Uh, because you're so capable it sounds like right and you you do what you want (laughs) we all are very capable women that are that struggle with this I think and I think that rationalization that we do um it's because we we can pretty much do anything we set our minds to and yeah. I think we think we can we can um, moderate, right? And drink right. like everybody else. And um, yeah. so that's not like I, I remember around seven months me wanting to drink again and, and really doing all the excuses and thinking of every reason why, you know, clearly I have this handled if I cannot drink for seven months. I mean, I do not have a problem. But that was my problem. <laughs> I was thinking yeah. like that. Hey, Unruffled listeners, just popping in mid-show to remind you about our Patreon fundraising campaign. To date, we have produced over a year's worth of content and have over a quarter million downloads. We can hardly believe it. If you like what you've been hearing, you can be a patron of the show for as much as you'd like, even if it's just a dollar an episode. To donate, please go to www.patreon.com backslash the Unruffled podcast. Thank you for your continued support of the show. Now back to it. So, okay, yeah. so you add it back yeah. in yeah. for like 10 years, yep. right? You get yeah. your master's. 13, 10, 13 years. 10, 13 I stopped years, okay. when I was, you know, getting ready to have the baby. Mm. So I stopped great, you know, no problem. Mm-hmm. I'm having this baby. I'm, I'm pregnant. I'm 37 at this point, And I still have the diabetes because that's never cured. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, mm. it, was, it was complicated. It was, it was definitely complex situation but it wasn't davis uh, can i ask you something how how do how do um how do diabetes and alcohol how does that oh my gosh that is a great question um there's so much to all of my different parts of the stories that um when i first had my first high school drinking the only time i did i was 
away for a weekend doing some skiing with some girlfriends and they knew somebody's brother. So we went out to their condo and well, it turns out they're all high school friends of ours. There's a group of four guys and four girls. And one of the guys is a friend of mine who also has diabetes. He, I grew up with him. He was like the boy next door. I had a crush on him. We used to hang out all the time and that sort of thing. Well, he ended up getting diagnosed in middle school with type 1 diabetes. And he says to me, oh, Davis, because I was saying, I'm nervous. I don't know if I'm supposed to drink. This is weird. I don't think I should do this. And he's saying, look, uh, just test your blood sugar. And you can drink. Totally. It's fine. It's fine. Totally. You can drink. Just make sure you test your blood sugar, um, which I have always been doing anyway. So what it does do is you, it raises your blood sugar a little bit at the beginning because it's a kind of a carb or spikes you up a little bit, but then it suppresses your, I might not get this quite right, um, but it it challenges your liver, right, to do the the processing of the alcohol. So you end up having lows um, later on. Or, I mean, I would wake up with perfect blood sugars after a night of drinking regularly. So that only encouraged me to keep drinking. Oh, um, wow. Like, yeah, right. this is good for me. And my, yeah, look disease. at how it's helping me. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but one time I remember at a college party leaving and feeling super, super slop, slop happy. I was like three streets to the wind. And I think back, I only had a little bit. I don't know. This is out of proportion. We all went and got pizza and then boom, I was better because I was starting to drop low and didn't realize it. Um, so it's pretty dangerous for yeah. sure. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So after the baby comes, she is, um, she's ready to, you know, um, she's, she's good and I'm, I'm nursing her. I'm able to, you know, stay without any drinking whatsoever. It's, it's not really a problem. Um, as far as, Hey, look, I, I but I hadn't set the intention of, I'm never going to drink again now that I'm a mom. Right. I was thinking, how soon can I get back to how soon can I get back to drinking again? Um, and I didn't try too hard to pace myself in between nursing and drinking and, and end up feeling like that's happening sort of at the same time. Um, so we, as a family decided when she was a toddler that we would go with the adventurous spirit and move to, um, closer to my, my husband's family, um, overseas. Um, so we moved, we moved to Sydney, Australia, and we lived there for about two and a half years. And gosh, I was doing a lot of drinking. Um, yeah. <laughs> Over there, it's, it it's, a, it's part of the culture, too, like drinking. Yeah. yeah. My yep. husband lived there yep. for a few years. But yeah, definitely part of the culture. Huge part of the culture. So um, after we moved back, um, we decided to move back to the same house that we had moved away from Um it stayed pretty steady. It was starting to be regular, you know, multiple times a week. Of course, not every single night because you'd say, Oh gosh, look how good I am. Cause I, I didn't drink that night. And then you got to drink the next night and, um, think of excuses to go to the store to get more, um, yeah, towards the end. Cause this, I'm using up the whole entire time to tell my story as I thought I might. <laughs> um, it's okay. Just to, we were just, just yeah, you're, you're building the yeah. foundation for the yeah. decision, but yeah. I, it, this women, you know, this isn't just something that one day you just go, I'm going to stop drinking. 
Yeah, um, no, so we get um, it, but just help us. Yeah, help us understand how that decision yeah, the was line, formed. How the, that line keeps keeps changing in the sand, yeah. and I thought, well, I'll never hide it, and that sort of thing. Well, I started switching to wine because then I didn't have to deal with the glasses because I could get the box wine, and that was I could drink wine even though I preferred beer. I drank liquor; didn't really matter what I drank, um, as long as I could could do it in a way that looked okay to everybody on the outside. Um, and it was when. A year and a half now, I've um, going on 19 months that I've not drank, and I the the way I decided to quit was, well, I got a call from my mom saying, well, your dad's been hospitalized again. Um, he's in his late 70s, um, and so somehow or other, my my husband and I decided, Davis, you should just go there and go support your mom. So he bought me a one way ticket, and this was in March. Uh, year and a half ago and I flew from Oregon to Connecticut with I mean I I took my friend's cigarette and put it in my backpack and I drank on the plane I drank the night we decided I was we were at a at a sports park my husband was playing soccer and I was drinking with beers with my friends and talking to my brothers and saying oh I'm gonna go and support mom in this Um, and I went and visited my dad in the ICU every night and then I'd go home and I'd drink. Um, and it was, it was just heartbreaking to see what kind of condition he was in. He couldn't sit up he made, you know, he, he could recognize me, but he, you know, he couldn't even move barely, barely. Um, so being there for about a week and a half, two weeks, he, he, he's, he's okay now. He's white knuckling. He's not in recovery, but he supposedly doesn't drink. Um, and it's one of those things that just hangs over the whole family. Um, how's dad doing? You know, if we go to all visit him, he gets overwhelmed because he's so hard of hearing and so isolated um, from us that he thinks, oh, everybody else is drinking and, and he'll have a drink too. Um, there's no support for him at all. Um, but during that time, I thought, well, I'm going to quit. I'll just have to pick a date. And that's it. This is, I'm, I'm getting off the train. There's no, there's no future for me if I keep doing what I'm doing. So I flew back home and decided, well, a good day for me will be, well, it happened to be Earth Day on a Saturday. That seems like a good day to have my last drinks because, you know, kind of an Earth mama, go with it. And Mm -hmm. uh, went out with my, went to my friend's house. I brought my daughter. My friend has a daughter the same age as my kiddo. So we're we're a good match. Um, And we had planned, let's have a sleepover at their house. And I remember distinctly, I had just a couple beers with my friend, but I knew these are it. This is all we're going to have for me, um, hopefully forever. And just made that I found the switch. I'd been looking to flip the switch for those 13 years. I don't know where that switch went, guys. What happened? You know, I, I found it before. Where is that? I need to flip that switch again. And nothing was, I just, you know, I couldn't find that place of surrender until having been spent time with my dad and seeing my kiddo and just realizing. I can do it. This is, I can make the decision. And Mm -hmm. she said, my daughter, as we put the kids to sleep, my daughter said, well, my mom's the mom that drinks so much. So we have to have sleepovers. And my friend's daughter said, yeah, my mom's the mom. She, my friend was struggling with cigarettes. And she made some comment about her mom with the smokes. So Mm -hmm. I wrote that down. Yeah. We had to plan a sleepover and knowing that that was the last time too, for me, um, I just put earbuds in my ears mm. and listened to various um, podcasts every moment. And I just kept moving. To, and I figured 
earlier on that if I keep active and moving and fixing and creating, then I won't have to feel anxious or depressed or, um, and I dealt with early recovery the same way. Yeah. Talks with my dog and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so that's a, thank you for sharing all of that with us. That's, that's hard to hear from our kids, right? I know Sandra has, has, has some stories like that too. And, um, Oh oh yeah. yeah. Like out of the mouth of babes for sure. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Well, she said it and I thought that is just the perfect title for the last chapter. Right. And then Mm -hmm. let's just be grateful that, I mean, because we, she and I had, had, I mean, I'm very open and honest with her. We talk about everything. And earlier on, she would say, so I'm confused, mama. Is it okay to drink then or is it not? Because I'd be Mm -hmm. pulling her store parking lot and saying, oh yeah, I'm just going to get some more tonight. And then I'd tell her about, oh yeah, I'm not going to drink so much. So she was very, getting very confused about. Sure. Is it a good right. thing? Right, because kids are 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 doing what we're doing. They're not necessarily doing what we're telling them to do or not do. So they follow our actions. Yeah. Well, and since that time, she has managed to decide for herself that she was going to stop her thumb sucking at the mm. age of eight. So, and she followed the same pattern of of recovery that I've been a model for her for she still checks the app regularly oh that's great that's so sweet yeah yeah it's amazing it is it's it's a gift well I'm curious Dave so you've you got your undergraduate do do you mind telling us where you got your undergraduate from oh sure okay Boston College. Boston yep. College. And then where did you get your uh, master's degree? Your I got my master's at Oregon State. And then, gosh, I just skipped this part of the story. But when we moved to Australia, we landed in, and realized right away that I would need to get a job because of the cost of living. And based on my master's work, which I, I use video cameras to film preschool kids and to try to understand if the presence of houseplants would affect their attention uh, or not. So I'm thinking, how can I get kids into nature? And I'm studying the interior design of the space. Um, so that experience led me right into a position at University of Technology, Sydney. They were hiring a project manager for a, pr- a project that studies women in labor in hospital um, settings. And they needed somebody who had design understanding uh, my master's degree, I did a bunch of undergraduate design work so that I could understand how to read a floor plan and because I came from an education background. So it was a multi-year master's pro- program. And when I interviewed for the, the UTS position in Sydney, they said, well, we're going to study these, these women in labor and we work with midwives who are considering how the design of the space affects the women's experiences. You need somebody with design experience and ideally video experience and maybe even some midwifery experience. And I had I had studied midwifery with a, a lay midwife in Eugene. We had met every Wednesday night at her house and had a little women's circle of people learning about birth. And then we'd have soup and then we'd, you know, carry on. So it was a perfect alignment to wow. what I wanted to do. Um, and part of doing that job was the opportunity to do a Ph.D., which I had thought, I don't, I'm good with a master's. This is plenty. Um, the PhD uh, situation in the United States is lots of comprehensive exams and 
coursework and so forth and so on in Australia, you don't have to do those courses and in, in comprehensives. You can you can take courses to support your learning if if you need to, uh, but you meet regularly with your committee. And I was able to research and write and publish and get a PhD. So wow. I'm Dr. Davis now. That's a big wow. deal. Wow, <laughs> that's amazing, Davis. Uh-huh. You are uh, you are definitely the epitome of multi passionate too. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. In and capital letters and in bold. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. It's so good to know that I'm not the only one who's yeah. embracing that. And because it feels like a big struggle a lot of the times, doesn't it? Like, oh my gosh, which favorite hobby do I want to do right now? I don't know. Is there I something? Know. Yeah. I know the struggle for sure. <laughs> Well, and that you can probably have the clarity now to pick and do and follow through, right? I mean, right. And I, do, and I do the things that need to be done that I'm hired to do now and make sure I feel like that's accomplished in a way that really does help the people who need my help. And <clears throat> once those are ticked off, then I can turn and say, now it's time for me and I get to do my creative passions. And, and it's, it's a process of integrating um, it's yeah. a, the goal, right? Just integrating my childhood self and my design self and my child self, you know, how much I love working with children that is, um, and play and even just how adults play. That's a new direction that I'm taking is, is helping to figure out how do we keep ourselves curious and playful and how that helps us stay healthy. So as much as I can, I learn about what's going on hormonally and how that connects to our our systems and our functioning and our behaviors and how that's all reflected in the spaces that we inhabit and how how people feel empowered to change their spaces or or not um if they feel trapped it's i mean it's got to do with it's very intersectional for me it's it you know folks that can't access nature because they're in a urban situation that doesn't have the right kind of transportation structure it's through no fault of their own but society has created this, you know, just completely disconnected um, world for folks. And so, of course, I think it's pretty revolutionary. Get some, get some women <laughs> to think from a different perspective, yeah. to design our spaces in a way that's really listening to the vulnerable and the margins and addressing their needs. Because if the most vulnerable's needs are taken care of, then everybody's needs are going to be taken care of. Yeah. Davis, I was going to ask you, uh, this is just kind of a fun question, but do you um, spend a lot of time thinking about your own space? Yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, I mean, recently, or is it, yeah, well, I yeah. was going to say, or is it, you know, the cobbler's kids have no shoes kind of situation? Because oh, I totally. know that that's how it often is with, totally. with me. <laughs> yeah, both. That's absolutely yeah. both. Right. Right. I mean, just quickly, I mean, because my my stepson moved in with us um, for his last two years of high school, we turned our my husband and I share a room for an office in our home because he's he's a professor at Oregon State. And so we both work from home a lot. And so when the, the boy moved in, we gave him the room and then he moved out and we thought, oh, good, here we go. But for those two years, I was working in the corner of the kitchen. I love the, the metaphor. The dog crate was behind me and the recycling is to my right and the garbage is kitty corner to me. And all of my, I spread out, I'm very 
collective, cluttery, visual person. I want my stuff all around me. And I, was sque- I squeezed it all into this little secretariat desk. And for sure, those two years, I thought, oh, look at my tiny screen. I can barely see it, but I'm going to keep on keeping on. And hopefully I can get some work done. Um, and now I have my new desk and I've got my new bookcases. I'm looking around. I can see my Lego models up there. <laughs> and I can see my pictures and my men- my child's art and my life-changing uh, mems on the wall. And picture my dad holding my baby daughter. You know, all those things are making me very happy. So, um, yeah, it's a combination of both. I certainly use that expression. The cobbler's kids have no shoes. For a <laughs> right. <life. laughs> well, what I was going to say is that um, growing up, I mean, we would come home after school. I'd say once a week, my mom rearranged the house. And uh, it does change the environment. It does change how you yeah. feel, how yeah. everybody's reacting there. So I don't do it as often as my mother does. But I, I think like outer order for me equals inner calm. And I need my spaces when I'm starting to feel a little squirrely, <laughs> I redecorate or mm-hmm. I move things around. And when I stopped drinking that first year, um, my word for the year was shed. So I used it as a noun and a verb. And I, I worked on my house. I worked on shedding um, stuff. And we even painted my house on the outside. So that's like the, the actual shed that I was living in you know I had my studio that I was like a shed that I kind of recreated to be my art studio that was all really important you know in terms of my space and trying to have feeling grounded again because I was feeling so untethered when I stopped drinking right absolutely I mean two of my favorite childhood memories are a building little houses out of Legos so I could build a little house and be in control of that and see it and and have some power but also I would rearrange my bedroom And I would, this little kid just shoving these huge pieces of furniture around and I'd realize, gosh, it's a lot of work, but it gave me some idea of space planning and maybe think through the ideas first, or maybe even put them on paper first, because it's much easier to change things around on paper. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Than it is once the building starts. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And my, it's a, it's a good contrast with my husband and I, because he, um, he likes things to be very minimal and orderly and clean, and he needs to for his neurodiverse way of thinking uh, to have a clean, orderly house, or it really sets him off. And I am a collector, and I have all this stuff in case I might need it, and uh, my materials and memories, and I'm very totemic. I like objects a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm with you. I'm the same. <laughs> so it's a pretty challenge. I mean, it, we make it. We're making it work now after all these years. And it's been a nice um, shedding recently with with the boy going off to college. And he, he didn't really want to – I mean, it hasn't been officially decided, but he's he was not really wanting to come back here necessarily. So fair enough. Um, you know, we were able to get rid of – we sold some old stuff and got a truckload of stuff donated. And the house is feeling better. And everybody's feeling a little happier. And yeah. We've just made the big decision recently to hire a weekly housekeeper because there's no way I can keep up with it all. <laughs> and, um, right, and you travel is, for work. Right? We travel yeah. quite a bit, yeah. In the last week, I've gotten the opportunity to pursue some big trips and thinking through how that might work or how to, how why would I say no to such a cool opportunity, even though it's so scary, and how am I going to make it work? And yeah. all those doubting voices come in. Mm-hmm. So I have a question just to kind of 
to kind of encapsulate everything that you've shared here um, before we move on. But so how old are you now, Davis? Like when you quit drinking, I guess is what I'm trying to get at. What was your age? I, I quit at, well, I'm 46 now. Um, and I quit uh, 19 months ago. So I guess I was, how old was I? That's why I didn't pursue architecture. Don't make me do math. Yeah, <laughs> no. it's okay. We don't have to do any hard math today. Just, like, just don't be an architect, mom. You're for no, our you listeners, Davis, you're no good at yeah math. Stuff. Just for but our listeners to kind of get a little you, while because yeah. like Sandra has called it the midlife solution um, when we quit drinking, and so I'm just I was just curious for our listeners to know kind of when that happened for you. And the other thing I'm curious about, so. You did the, the, you went online for the women for sobriety site before. Did you access any tools when you quit drinking? Did you ever explore any 12 step programs or did you just keep kind of doing um, your way, like trying to figure out what you needed? Uh, my solution this time, mm-hmm. not, not the first time. Yeah. This yeah. time I figured, okay, I tried to remember doing this last time, but things didn't quite work last time. So as, uh, as soon as I just made the decision, I went right online and I found a Yahoo group, which, I mean, this was only a year and a half ago. Like, mm-hmm. who uses Yahoo groups, right? It was clunky and awkward. And and through reading that, I found some 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 keywords to find through Facebook. So um, I, I connected virtually with, with people. Um, and knowing that the patchwork method of recovery is completely, I have all the permission in the world to use my style is that's what I want to express to others. What works for me is not the same as what's going to work for somebody else. Um, I like community. I like having friends. I like socializing. I like knowing there's people in real life who do what I do, but so far I haven't, I just haven't had the, the room in my life to have anybody in real life. Um, who's doing just what I'm doing, um, or something even similar to what I'm doing. Um, there is a group in town who are, um, doing postnatal depression recovery work and depression work, and they are not going to be drinking at their meetups and their groups that they have. Uh, I tried to, I tried to go to one they hosted recently, but the, it was a Sunday night and I thought, oh my gosh, this I can't go do this on a Sunday night and the information didn't come through for me to find a location and what have you. So I'm definitely open to meeting with people. And a few times I've thought, God, you've got to go to AA and just try it, get down there and see what it's all about. But then I have all these other deadlines happening and demands. Um, so I'm open to, to trying it. Um, if it, if it fits in, but for now, um, I'm using the virtual connections a lot and it feels very real to me. And it also really worked for the diabetes, especially when I was pregnant. I had a lot of virtual support for that, um, online and it was fantastic. Yeah. You seem so resourceful. That's why I was curious for our listeners to know like what you did, you know, the second time around. And that's why I asked because I feel, I feel supported now. I feel like I have community and I have people who I can say, yes, that's my story. Wait, part of that resonates. Oh, this is exciting. I'm not alone. Uh, Much more so than the first time. It was just me against the world last time. Right. Yeah, that doesn't, it's not such a great feeling sometimes. I mean, I did feel powerful initially, like when I stopped, yeah. um, yeah. I'd be like, oh, look what I'm doing. But yeah, there is some kind of magic in being seen and heard. And I think that's why we chat with women on this podcast. And it's how I found Sandra, you know, I heard her story. Um, and to, to be witnessed and to be, you know, 
I don't know. I think that's just kind of the good medicine that I need to stay sober. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I was going to, I wanted to kind of segue a little bit into, um, obviously what you do is very creative Davis for your work and all of the schooling that you've done and your traveling and, um, but there's some fun little projects that I wanted to just chat about. And one of them was, um, um, well, not a project, but you and I are part of a, a year long group coaching program together called the inner circle, um, with Mm -hmm. Tiffany Hahn. And I was just curious if you wouldn't mind sharing like your decision to kind of join that, or if you have any projects in your mind that you want to finish or what you're hoping, you know, what you're hoping to get out of that. And you're very self-led. So I'm, I'm just interested. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for seeing me. Um, I did not give it much consideration to join the inner circle. I'd heard you mention it quite a few times. I had not listened to her podcast, but I do part of my morning routine is pulling a card. And I, and I found a night, I found the deck, the, the wild unknown from, from you ladies talking about it. So for two or three different times, I pulled up the, I'm not sure which card it is now, but the one that means have a teacher, (laughs) get a mentor. Mm -hmm. You need a teacher lady. You can't do any more on your own. So I said, okay, I'm open to this. I can do it. Let's figure out the how. The Hierophant, I bet. Yeah, Hierophant. Maybe. That's the one. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's the one. So, okay, good. I'm excited. I'm curious. Who's going to, who can I learn from? I'm ready. And a couple of possibilities sort of, sort of arose on, for some online courses. And then it just dawned on me, well, let me just check out this raise your hand, say yes. And it was two or three days before it was going to start. Um, I, I sent one of my little scary emails out, the cold <laughs> email, Hey, I'm on the waiting list. Right. And Tiffany got back to me right away and said, Hey, I've got a couple spaces if you're curious. And then I had to process, okay, what are my resources? Is this in line with my plan? Which is my plan is always the keep the cart behind the horse. It's ne- it never seems to be the case with me. And the cart's always like up next to the horse or in front of the horse. Um, but it, it, I just stick with that faith of, okay, things are working out the way they need to. Um, so yeah, I just took the plunge and decided I'm going to do this. And I'm, I'm, having, I'm having faith that it'll work itself out as I go. I don't have a huge plan except for the work I do with my writing, which I don't write as a writer enough at all. I mean, I've got a little bit of time in the morning and then I'm doing all this academic writing. I've got a chapter I'm writing that's due, you know, in a month and a half and barely even started. So I've got a lot of writing demands on me, but it's the creative writing and the poetry that I, after doing the poetry mission on my travels, I read at Poetry Slams when I lived in Eugene for years, and they just ended up slamming me into the ground and thinking, ah, I'm not doing this anymore. This is not, I don't feel free. I don't like it. I'm not getting, it's not, it's not the right platform. So I put all the writing poetry just on hold for uh, probably all, probably lines up with the drinking, actually. It's probably about 10 years of not writing. And, um, so I'm, I'm bringing all of that energy back into my life and saying, yeah, there's time I can write poems, but I want to do more than just write them. I need to figure out how to express them and where to put them forward. So in joining the inner circle, I, my outline was, okay, I've got this new career 
I've had a PhD for three years now. I'm getting jobs as an applied designer, interior designer, designing entire uh, spaces. I'm also invited to do um, research opportunities and apply for grants. And I am an educator. I work with master's students. How do I keep all of that alive and healthy and and growing and, and working for me and also do my own private, not private, you know, the personal, the personal creative side of things, the painterly and the poetic and the expressive. Um, So that's my goal is how do I just keep getting more and more integrated uh, Mm -hmm. throughout all of my different parts of my life. I'm tired of everything being distinct and separate. And um, I hear you, lady. (laughs) I hear (laughs) you. Well, um, I noticed, um, I'm just learning how to use the Mighty Network. And so instead of using Facebook, Tiffany is using this, um, it's called the Mighty Networks, and it's a way for our group to communicate. And I'm still learning how to use that, Davis. Um, Mm -hmm. So I didn't get to respond to what you put in there. But so, so Sandra, people are putting out their questions or, or, um, you know, looking for guidance on something. And it's kind of a hive mind, right, where people are coming back, all of these professional entrepreneurs or um, creatives and they're and they're coming back with responses and Davis you had asked a question about your website and mm-hmm. I just love the you got a couple of responses that I saw oh my god and so, so good oh my gosh just it's so real <laughs> I don't want the pat on the back you're doing fine no right. that's not real I'm not doing fine There's oh I know something I, wrong with my website yeah. <laughs> I like critique I like honest critique as well but it's people so are often afraid to give it yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's so honest and real, and nobody, all the feedback is so helpful and adds on to what everybody else has said, Yeah, and I cannot wait to take it all up and make it happen, but of course, it's on the bottom of the list. Well, so so here's the, I have a question, so... Um, Sandra, at, at the for every month, Tiffany gives us a courage challenge where we have to th- send three scary emails. Davis, it sounds like you are going to be like kicking that assignment's ass every month because you already sent the scary emails. <laughs> so I'm curious, uh, would you be okay to share? Like, was there, was there like a scary thing this month that you did? Like just one of them, like that you could share? Oh, see, it's, it was a really tricky one for me because I do encourage myself to do that regularly. Right. <laughs> so the most scary one, I thought, okay, how am I going to, how am I going to meet the needs of this challenge? And it needs to be something outside of the normal comfort zone. So what I did a couple of days ago, and I did it my own way, is I sent an email to submissions at The Tempest. Ooh. The Temper, rather. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> and my submission was, okay, I don't have an article proposed or written, but I could. I do have this this thread of of diabetes that I feel like is completely underrepresented. Um, it's not the only chronic, invisible, lifelong thing that people have to deal with, right? But it could be a representation of, of what it's like to face a challenge like that and the otherness that comes from that. And so I could write a bit of an article about that. But I thought, how about are they willing or open to learn about uh, or have poetry happening? Because my poems are very autobiographical and 
talk about varieties of you know my life so I just I just plunked in I mean it was a very haphazard I had barely enough time to do the the email it's not professional I just I said you know a couple of intro lines put a couple poems in and said something along these lines let me know what you're thinking I could develop it more or not I just want to get a put my feelers out there um, but yeah somehow in the meantime I'm gonna up, update my my blog and my website and have the blog be, I'm calling it a poologue because I I figured, what does the word blog mean anyway? I don't even know. Well, it means web log. So you're keeping a log of something on the web. So poologue to me kind of was a cute way to put it out there in a new way. So I love it. Yeah. I mean, having one poem published in an anthology here and another one published in an anthology there, I don't really, I'm not clear on my ambitions or my goals Mm -hmm. for it, except for I know that it's not right to just keep it all in a journal to myself. Right. Well, that's what I think is really great. Um, The, for the inner circle, you don't necessarily have to have, um, you're trying to create a brand new business or anything like you can work on any project in your life and it can be a personal project. It doesn't have to be that you are this, uh, um, you know, entrepreneur that's putting out this physical thing in the world either. So it can be just really, really private, which I didn't kind of get until I think the end of the year. Um, and I'm seeing that with a lot of people in the questions that they're asking in the group, but I, um, I'm enjoying the mighty networks. It's better than having to click onto Facebook for me. Um, I just need to get a little more, uh, user savvy on it so that I can, um, interact more. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm glad you're in there. I, there's a few of our listeners that are in there too. Um, I'm not going to out them now, but there's a few, there's a few of them that are in there too, which is kind of fun. It's kind of fun. It'll get, be good to get to know each each other. other. Yeah. And And after our last, uh, I can't remember what the last live one was that I joined in on. There was a person who talked about a couple of situations and one of them was having to do with friendships. And she's up in Seattle. And I just reached out to our center, a private message and said, hey, I'll be your friend. <laughs> and we ended up having a Skype call for 25 minutes That's talking cool. about her illustration and her work and the fact that she was an architect for 30 years. And oh, wow. And we have this weird little kismet between us. Mm-hmm. So I am glad that I learned early on to just break through the inner critic and, and do this reach out and say, Hey, the, you know, that three second rule book or five second rule skim through that. And that makes sense. You know, just, let's just do something quickly. If you get the idea, you get the little inner whisper that you should do something, try it. You don't know where it's going to land. If it doesn't land where you think it should, that's okay. Just keep trying it and practice that. It's just all right. Right. I need to get better at submitting things, um, Davis, but that's the beauty of, of, of blogging and oh God, I mean, you can just publish anything you want on your own page. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And it's for me, I mean, it might not be now that I'm here with you two ladies, but in the past it has not been like I had a ton of traffic at all. So it wasn't, a, I published it, it's out there for anybody to see, but I didn't get much in the way of um, readership, which makes it feel nice and safe that yeah. I'm just going to post these thoughts and see, see how it feels to put it out there. Yeah. yeah. And it takes time to build those things up. It's a good practice, a good daily practice or whatever, weekly, whatever, however you want to do that. Um, but I like it. Um, Sandra, I want you to know that my scary email was to Mackle Moore's people again. 
Oh, oh nice. So I just want you know, I when I looked at the email, because of course I waited until last night, which was Halloween, the 31st day of the month, because I had this little thing with procrastinating, um, that I waited until the last day of the month to send it. And I had sent it last November. It's been a year since I sent Ooh. them all the stats and everything for the show. Well, now we had much improved stats to give them. Um, cool. And so I plumped that up and, and get, I mean, I didn't plump it up. I gave them the, the numbers, but told them, you know, that um, we'd love to have him back for um, maybe even episode 100, I said, and I would love to have him as the guest. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> right. Oh, well, okay. So Davis, I've, again, Another project, because you are multi-passionate, was that you participated in the 100-Day Project this year that is put on by L. Luna and is it Lindsay Johnson? Oh, i got to get her name right. But um, for our listeners that don't know what that is, I participated in it the year prior. It's just doing a personal project every single day for 100 days. Or if you don't do it every single day, just eventually getting your 100 days in, right? There's no hard and fast rules. Um, but you did it this year. Can you share with our listeners what you what the framework of that 100-day project was for you? Yeah. Um, I decided to do it thinking, okay, that's a long time, actually. 100 days, oh, that's that's like many months, actually. So It is I a really, long time. <laughs> I gave myself some pause to consider, is this something I really want to follow through on? But because I knew that I needed to do some more of my own creative writing, I figured, okay, let's figure out a way to to do this in a way that's really super duper low key and achievable. My main goal was let's make it achievable. It's something I can actually do. Um, <clears throat> I mean, no comparison to what other people are putting out there. I, I couldn't even, you know, I enjoyed seeing what some people were, were doing. As visual artists, it's easy to do beautiful visuals. But as a writer, how can I make that interesting? Um, I decided I bought one of those little Gorilla Grips for my iPhone so I could videotape myself. And I did a, um, what's that um, filter option called when you do fast, fast option? Oh, time lapse. Time lapse, right, yeah. time lapse. So I would do my morning routine like always and I would have one in my journal, just that one stretch of paper on one side. That would be all I would, I would limit myself. Just that one section didn't matter how long it would take, um, but it would not be a formed poem. It would just be a free form, something off the cuff, whatever, stream of consciousness. I didn't care. I just wanted to somehow show people that I was physically writing mm. every single day. And so I did every single day. It was shocking to me. Wow. But then again, um, I've done other hard things before. So. <laughs> yeah. I had such low expectations for what I was putting out there. I didn't really care if it was very visually appealing or not. I just wanted it to be available to hold accountable to myself. Um, so occasionally I would post actual poem. Mostly it was just the time lapse and I'd try to do interesting angles and change the perspective. And, you know, it's six in the morning, not that interesting of lighting necessarily, but mm. It was a good um, practice for me, and I've kept them all. I mean, they're all in the same journal. And so now, very slowly, I'm taking all of those poems and putting them on the computer and typing them up in one big document um, with each poem having a number, put the date at the bottom, and turning them into something new and helping them shift a little bit, kind of think of them as, you know, little buddies. <laughs> like, they kind of have their own wishes and 
and I'm not really in charge of most things. So just honoring. Yeah. I love that. That could be like a little book or something of your 100 day project just to have that Mm -hmm. physical. um, Yeah. Yeah. I've read through some recently and thought, wow, that is not a poem, but it's cool. (laughs) I clearly needed to get that out and it forces me to think, which is always a struggle for me. So I love it. Yeah. So you felt a good sense of accomplishment when you were done. I did. Yeah. It was very cool. And again, I mean, it's not even, it's only, it's only the poems. There's, I I love painting too, but I, I can't fit it in. So it's, I figure uh, I'm, I'm letting the muse know that I'm here and available but I'm not available for all of the projects all of the time. I just can't be. <laughs> There's not enough hours in the day, right, Sandra? I know. Wow. I <laughs> can commiserate on this with you. Well, would you mind reading one for us, Davis? Do you have something that you could share with the listeners? I actually do. Sure. Okay. Uh, these. This one is from the 100-day series, and... Uh, So it doesn't have a title. I haven't titled any of them, but it does have a number, number 33. A few lines dropped in on the walk, words about rain and birdsong and clouds. Light shines off the headlamp, bounces off the few small volume beginning raindrops back into the eyes in a slightly shocking way Unbelievably, the walk was so early that the dampening didn't need boots or an umbrella, and the fur barely needed drying. But as the birds' calls continue and the sound of the fridge motor clanks on and then off, the increasing rain becomes the only sound, pierced by a hoo-de-de-de call of belonging, even on another day of falling rain, the bird song, glorious and orchestral, is a sound never to be taken for granted. It couldn't be heard the last few sloggy years. Mm, that is beautiful, Davis. Uh, that brings Thank back you. so many that brings back so many memories for me of early sobriety, actually. Um, when I would take those long walks the first few months of my sobriety and I would just like have these birds been singing this whole time (laughs) just now hearing them (laughs) those kind of moments I I have a million of them every day yep yeah this is almost to a one full year of sobriety and I feel like if I can just not wait for some pink cloud to magically show up but to look for that bit of beauty Every single day. And also look for a teeny bit of a vacation <laughs> every single day. <laughs> Try to keep, keep a little sanity, right? Yeah. Right. It's beautiful. Oh. Thank you. That was beautiful, Davis. Oh. Well, I know we could <clears throat> chat with you for much longer, um, Davis, but uh, we probably need to wrap this up a little bit. Um, Sandra, is there anything else that I've missed or that you wanted to touch no. on? No. No. I've loved this conversation. Um, before we get to your three things, Davis, is there anything else that you, is there something we missed or that, I mean, anything that you wanted to share that we didn't Oh, tackle? there's so much more. <laughs> I know, I know. 
<laughs> but, um, that are, yeah. you know, for our listeners we'll, or we'll, something that you, we'll, you want we'll to share? We'll wrap up there. Um, I will share that um, we have, I have a creative project going all of the time that is uh, raising my daughter. And mm-hmm. I feel like that is my creative outlet, um, keeping her life rich and full and amazing is something that um, I take a lot of pride in. So I just wanted to wrap up with that. And, and, and she's, she, I think she and Chloe are about the same age, right? Yep. I think so. I think, I think Chloe's a little bit older. Chloe turns 10, uh, actually on Saturday. So, ah, uh, yeah, quite a bit older, about oh. eight, eight months or so older. Yeah. Double digits. Chloe's going to be 10. Mm-hmm. 10, 10. I know. What's yeah, your daughter's name, Davis? Her name is Freya. Freya. Oh. I love that name. Mm-hmm. Well, being a mom, Davis, yeah, and choosing to remove alcohol from your life and to be really present and working the way you do and creating every day, like you're the, you're modeling such a beautiful, um, you know, beautiful way to live for your girl. I think that's so sweet and really important mm-hmm. work. Really important mm-hmm. work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's, uh, Sandra, will you want to explain maybe what the what this part of the show is about? Sure. Um, Davis, we want you to share with our listeners three items from your Unruffled Toolbox. And the Unruffled Toolbox, for anyone who doesn't know, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, this is a... These are the kind of things that we that we list that um, are things that help us in our recovery or our creativity or both or all of the above. And um, what are yours, uh, Davis? Um, well, this, of course, is one of my favorite parts of the show. And I thought, oh, I've got to find something that's going to be so helpful, immediate for the listeners. They're going to listen and say, oh, that's cool. But then I thought, well, that's just... A little bit ego driven. <laughs> we like a good do? tool. There's nothing wrong yeah, with a good tool. Right. What what is actually the ones I, I count on? And I, I came up with many, many, but then I, I cut them back. So my first one is my morning routine, which mm. I don't think I'm the first one to say that. I never was a morning person. I love sleep very, very, very much, but I've learned the beauty of getting up early enough to do and giving myself enough time to do all of the different components of my morning routine, which include while I'm walking the dog, we have a nice path. It's a 10 minute walk and I can see the stars or the fog or the trees. Uh, There's a section of the walk with no houses. And I say to myself a series of different prayers. I say to my higher power, those prayers as I walk and end it with a mantra. Um, and then as I get back to the house, I just started, I pivot and shift as I need to for this morning routine for sure. And I just started doing the Julia Cameron morning pages, which I had done ages and ages ago, 15, 16 years ago. So I've started doing those longhand three pages of writing and then draw a card, write a gratitude list sort of a la how Ann Dowsett Johnson does it with five unique items, except for the first one, which is always just utter gratitude for my recovery. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I read some some higher writing <laughs> stuff like uh, Lao Tzu, Dao Te Ching, um, Warriors of the Light is a new one I've been reading, Paulo, Paulo Calo. Mm-hmm. Calo. I would say his name and I do not know how to say his name but I think you yeah. may have yeah. gotten close 
Um, and if I have some time, I'll, I'll write a, a poem or do some of my own writing or type it up. Um, and I have been really enjoying Sandra's My Daily Unruffled. Oh, thanks. Write that out and think. And there's so much wisdom and honesty and practicality in it. It's just so accessible and lovely. Mm. Uh, and Julia Cameron does have a good book, too, Transition. So there's mm. a lot in my morning routine. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And I've, I've given up on the weekends. I say, that's it. I'm just going to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> and well, I that, feel good about that. That's what's so great about a routine. I think Sandra and I were talking about it this week on the podcast, like just the difference between ritual and routine for me, but how the routine can be flexible. It probably sounds pretty rigid um, to some that might be listening, but I'm sure you don't do every single thing that you just mentioned no. every single day. It's like, no, no but right. you can add in and subtract and kind of, but just to have a routine and know that it's your, your time, right? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Okay. So tool number two is uh, senses, which is another form of mindfulness. It also brings in all of the things I wanted to include, (laughs) which are through the sense of touch. I'm holding some stones right now I get to fiddle with. I've always had love stones. Uh, Hugs as a person who didn't have a ton of physical affection growing up. I try to have a lot of hugs and touch with my family. Things like lotion and moisturizer is very grounding and lovely. Um, textures and the feeling of my breath coming in and out. Um, for taste and smell, well, everybody loves oils. They're fantastic. But chewing gum is a huge one for me. I chew a lot of gum. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no sugar. Uh, it's not something that is going to raise my blood sugar. And it does that oral fixation. I try to I try to do it appropriately, like when I'm driving and not mm-hmm. when I'm talking to people. I uh, chew a lot of gum when I'm driving, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it gets my, it's just something that works for me. Um, and, of course, taste. I'm, I'm eating foods that don't raise my blood sugars now which is a whole new world for me. So that's, I'm on my day, uh, almost a hundred days of that. Um, fizzy waters, of course, is a good sensation. Um, hearing is a popular sense. So I love music. I love listening to music, uh, listening to people playing music, just being, having silence too, so I can hear the music. Um, and seeing is an interesting one because I'm having some challenges to my sight recently. So just really appreciating shapes and colors and that includes faces. Um, and the last sense that nobody remembers is the vestibular sensory system. So movement, working out, swinging, dancing, walking, that sort of sensory stimulation. So senses is my box for all of the things I do day to day. Yeah. And the third one is the botanical world. So I have herbal infusions that I have specially made for me that I drink a ton of herbal infusions. So making them each night is a grounding, letting them sit overnight uh, feels very, very calming and transition to the next part of the, the evening. Um, plants all around my house. I have house plants. I just love um, again, it's, a, it's on this, this could be a bit of work, but it's, it's so pleasant and lovely, um, that it feels, it doesn't feel like a chore to me and just being around trees and nature. So those are my three tools. Those are great. Thank you. Yay. Very good. Thank you, Davis. 
You're yeah. very welcome. And I wanted to just invite you, Davis, too. I know we have the, the secret Facebook group for um, the podcast that if people want to join, they can send a message to Sandra or myself on Facebook and we can add you and ask to be added to that group. You'll have to send us a DM. But feel free. Um, I know that you'd mentioned that there's a gap in the discourse about addiction and those living with chronic invisible conditions like the one that you have, but feel free to start a conversation. Hopefully when your episode goes up and airs that people, maybe we can start a conversation within that group and maybe find more connection um, mm-hmm. you know, or something that you want to talk about there, Davis, because that's a great group to, um, you know, it's really safe in there, I feel. And I really like um, what's happening in there and how people are supporting one another. So feel free to do that there anytime. Absolutely. And it's so it it ties right into I mean, there's I'm so glad there's more and more conversation around mental illness. And that's, it's, it goes hand in hand. Uh, So it is nice to have a space to be able to talk about these, these big life situations that are always, they're always present. Yeah. Um, So so how can people find you Uh, on the web? Yeah, on the web, I can be found on Instagram uh, more than underscore ever before. And that actually is still private. I don't know what what my problem is, but whatever. (laughs) Ask for my permission, I'll give it to you. So um, I have a second one that it's like, why I'm not really integrated here, but that'll get get there a little by little. if people uh, want to and work I do, with you, I, though, yeah, how do they find it? Yeah, if they want to work with me, my website, which is soon going to be under construction, uh, is davisparadigmspaces.com. Davis. Oh, All one word. And that's P-A-R-A-D-I-G-M, paradigm. Because I think it's time for a little paradigm shift. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. And you were recently on a podcast um, with Cheryl Janice, right? The the mm-hmm. Wellness Design yeah. Podcast. I was, yeah. Yeah, and so that you were on episode twelve, which aired on June thirtieth. Um, can you do you remember the title of the pod? Um, if not, I have it. <laughs> something along the lines of how to design healthcare spaces for kids. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Great. So, if anybody wants to hear more from Davis and on the work that she does, you can download that podcast as well. Well, thank you so much for being with us today, Davis. Oh, it's been my honor and privilege. I'm really glad to be part of the conversation, and I'm always available if if something I said clicks or resonates with somebody. Hmm. Please do reach out because those scary emails can really make some good, strong friendships and bonds. Mm, so I love that. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, have a good day, ladies. You too. Right. Bye. Bye, guys. The Unruffled Podcast was created and produced by Sandra Primo and Tammy Salas. Our show is edited and mixed by Steve Hecht. Original music composed and performed by Caitlin Schumacher. Original artwork created by Tammy with the help of graphic designers Chris Aguirre and Amy Lanier. Thanks for listening.